the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I guess from what I understand, I'm also a buffoon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I've been told. Hi there, welcome. It is Lifeline, and uh, yes, Andy Froyland tonight, but uh, even more importantly, this is the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Fourth Friday of every month, we like to get uh, Pastor Phil Howard, uh, Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard in, to uh, just spend some time with you talking about all things uh, all things Jesus, man. And if you've got questions, comments, prayer requests, we're always available to talk to you at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888 so uh, phone lines are uh, all open, and it's your chance to call in and spend some time with us here tonight. Now, what I'm going to do is a little bit different, and it's going to toss him. It's going to throw him for a loop. You ready, you ready for this, Larry? Yeah. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pull this over here, and I'm going to put this right there. Now, before you go, now we, we've got to say you, you've had surgery recently, and you got the throat kind of worked on a bit. So he's real limited in what he can say. But I figured you've got enough of a voice to at least introduce our guest panel tonight, say hi, make an appearance, and show everyone that lovely pastoral face of yours. <laughs> oh, for those who have, you know, radio video. Radio, okay. Well, I may sound like Wolfman Jack here because I've just had uh, throat surgery. And so tonight we have some wonderful men uh, that we'll be sharing with you. Uh, One is Larry Howard, uh, a young man that was about 14 when he started attending Valley Bible and is now an executive pastor. You'll enjoy him. And we have Ron Johnson, who's been pastoring and been in this church and served at other ministries over the years. So we've got some great guests because uh, I'm a little bit like... uh, wounded wing here yeah. but it's a joy i came just to set in and see that you guys said it just right well exactly somebody's got to keep us straight you know right <laughs> exactly so and uh yeah no no nepotism at all going on in here uh and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain larry get back over there exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> We have a, a, a marvelous time laid out for you this evening, if you'll join us for a little while. Hopefully we can encourage you in Christ, uh, spur you on to love and good deeds, and uh, leave you with Christ. That is the goal this evening, to spur you on in Christ and then leave you with him. And again, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, if you uh, have a question for anybody here tonight, or a prayer request, we'd be more than happy to talk with you, 888 for KFAX, 888-367-5329. With that, Larry, I'm going to let it all rest on your shoulders, brother. All right. appreciate that. Well, it's, first of all, it's a great joy to be with you tonight, Andy, and then to, uh, to arrive and think that our, our emeritus pastor, uh, who happens to be my uncle, 
who I love dearly, to find out that he's actually here was a, a surprise, and it's a pleasant surprise to have him uh, with us. Uh, I'll, I'll be graded later, I'm sure, um, on how we do, but um, that's part of being a nephew and part of being under his ministry for 48, uh, 49 years. He'll never, um, as long as he's walking on the earth, he'll always be ministering in, in my life, I believe. So uh, a great pleasure for him uh, for for me to be here with him and uh it's amazing uh as i thought about it uh, yesterday or actually when i was called and asked to do the show i i thought man uh you know there's some big shoes to fill um and um so i i don't try and do that i just try and be larry and um let the lord use me in the way he does but what a great what great fun to have phil here with us and then the other one was uh ron johnson with us and um i'm going to read a passage that um Actually, Phil gave it to us just a little while ago. Uh, this is 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And um, I would say, and I think Ron, you'll agree with me on this, and and, uh, and anyone in the radio audience that has been under uh, the ministries of uh, Dr. Phil Howard You'd say this has been what we grew up with, basically. You know, from from age 14, I I am um, I will be 63 in about uh, 35 days or 30 days, somewhere in there. I'm holding on to 62 as long as I can, though. But I will be 63, so it's been uh, 49 years that. And and actually, before I ever came to Valley, Phil was a, a part of my life, obviously. So, but I remember when Ron first came in, and uh, uh, the first time I ever met Ron Johnson. Man, it's got to be 25 years ago at least, I would say. I think Amanda was, my daughter was maybe 14 or something like that and um, was in a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting was um, the guy that at, at Valley Bible Church who works for the radio ministry at, in our church and keeps us on the air, I believe, is Chuck Laudabodier and Phil Howard and Ron Johnson and myself. We were all in a prayer meeting together in between two services that Phil was preaching in. And that's where I first met Ron. I think I, I think I knew who he was, but I never really met him. And there we met, and um, God forged us together in prayer. I, I've never been able to uh, be with someone for very long praying with them that there wasn't a friendship or a, a for sure a kinship that's yeah. developed. And so, Ron, I, I just say welcome to you, and um, I would want you to tell your story a little bit. What brought you to that prayer meeting? Do I have time for that? Andy warned me now. What brought you to that prayer meeting? Sure. What brought me to the prayer meeting? Uh, I guess the work that God was doing in my life through the preaching of the word that was going on at Valley Bible. And uh, yeah, I mean that sincerely. That's why my wife and I began to came. In fact, uh, someone invited her to come and they actually invited her because she loves to sing, loves to worship. And they said, you got to come here, the worship here. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I don't I don't think I want to come. And, and eventually I, I did come and and I uh, began to hear the Word of God preached here, and uh, it made a huge change in my life. Pastor Phil has been a, a huge part of what God has done in my life, and uh, as God was at work in my life, you become more aware of your need for God, right, and how dependent we are upon right. Him, and if we want to see Him do uh, what we all say, we want to see Him do, save and sanctify and grow the church and and and. and share Christ with the lost, uh, God does what he does through the prayer of his people. And so uh, I guess I was naive enough to believe that and and uh, just began coming and praying and, and uh, enjoyed and still remember sharing and being a part of some of those prayer meetings with you all. 
Yeah, that was early on. I remember that. And then I remember, um, um, and, and this all goes back to this whole discipleship mentor theme that we've been trying to do on the radio here when we've been meeting. And Phil's been walking through what that looks like, the discipleship and discipling and following after Jesus. And um, I, I think it was not too long after you started to join those prayer meetings, there was a particular sermon, I believe it was, or yeah. something that took place in um, uh, just the word of God being preached. Phil, I don't think I never knew Phil to go to any man and tell him, I think God might want you to be in full-time ministry. I don't think he ever did that. He always let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit make that determination in your life. Let the word of God do its job and let the Holy Spirit do his job. And I'll just do my job and be the mouthpiece for that. But maybe you can tell a little bit about Phil preached a particular sermon and it just kind of hit you right between the eyes. Yeah, I remember uh, vividly, and if uh, you've already made me feel old with the 25-year thing, I, this this message is somewhere on cassette tape, guys. So uh, yep, uh, I haven't uh, looked in the mirror recently. <laughs> you are old. <laughs> it was it was May of '97. It was back when uh, the church uh, re- still had an evening service, right? Back when everybody was more holy and things, and uh, and so evening service, and pastor preached a message called the people God ministers through was the name of the message. Remember him being in second Corinthians four and, and bringing in a lot of things that I later found out God used in his life and spoke to him through. Um, I would say that uh, until that point in my life, a lot of people had been telling me, Oh, I should go into ministry. And it was largely because I'd worked a lot with youth and in, in different churches and seemed to get along with young people. And I just remembered uh, telling myself all the things I didn't do well enough in order to go into ministry. I didn't like to speak in front of people, uh, didn't have enough education, didn't know the Bible well enough. Something he said in that message that night that I'll never forget is he said that excellence in ministry isn't achieved through the elimination of human inadequacy, but instead through the divine empowerment of inadequate people. And uh, when he said that that night, I, I still remember those words. I wrote them down somewhere in uh, in my Bible on a bulletin or whatever it was. And it was like God spoke that directly to my heart. And I can remember telling the Lord, if that's true, if it's not about everything I bring to the table and, and, and what I can do. And it really is about what you can do through an inadequate person. I guess I can stop making excuses and give myself fully to you and see what you'd be willing to do through me. And so that to this day is the only reason that I do what I do and uh, thankful to God for how he used Pastor Phil. And uh, yes, that's a that's a brilliant foundation for the rest of the show tonight. I think, uh, Larry, um, just the fact that, you know, I, I, I sit here, I listen to you talk and I'm thinking, man, I wonder how many people listening on the radio tonight who have been struggling with the same thing. Am I called? Am I not? Uh, that is a very helpful word right there. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna lay that word down as part of our foundation tonight as we continue looking at discipleship, what it means, what it looks like, and how it's lived out, and how it uh, how it affects you in your life in Christ, your walk and relationship with Him. We're going to take a quick time out, go pay some bills, check your traffic, and uh, we'll be back as Lifeline continues our Truth for Today edition here tonight on KFAX. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center we head for a look at your commute. 
Hi there and welcome back. It is Lifeline, the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with uh, Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard in tonight, uh, Larry and Ron. Larry and Ron, Jonies. <laughs> Serious. All the stuff we do while the commercials play. Oh, if yes. you only had a video of what's going on. You'd wow. quickly tune out, and so that's why we don't give you a video. Um on a serious note, if if you're listening tonight, if you're just tuning in and, and you're wondering what discipleship looks like, have you been discipled? How do you know? Have you discipled? Again, how do you know? What does it look like? To what end? What is the goal of discipleship? Why do we do this? And uh, anything related to your growth in your relationship with your elder brother, the Lord Christ? then I would invite you to stay with us for a little while longer because that's what tonight is all about. We're talking about discipleship. Um, in fact, Larry, you looked it up. I don't know if that's what you've got there or not. I can but pull the, it the, back the, up, yeah. The, the very definition of discipleship. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really simple foundation for where we're headed this evening, and I think it'll serve us well. And, man, I so appreciate you, Ron, and your, uh, your few minutes of... Uh, what it was that God used to pull you into ministry. Yeah. And indeed, that is a part of discipleship. That is, that's kind of at the heart of what we're talking about tonight. So uh, did you bring that up, Larry? I had uh, one that from Easton's Bible Dictionary is the one that I landed on here, and it uh, basically says this. It says it's a scholar, sometimes applied to the followers of John the Baptist, and that's Matthew nine fourteen, and then of the Pharisees, which is in Matthew twenty two sixteen, but principally to the followers of Christ. A disciple of Christ is one who believes his doctrine, Christ's doctrine, uh-huh. rests on his sacrifice, imbibes his spirit or drinks of his spirit, and imitates his example. Mm. And um, as we talk tonight about d- discipleship, what does that mean? Well, you... You can't have discipleship take place unless you got a disciple. Bingo. So you have to have someone that um, I, I believe that, and and I wish Phil wasn't here now because then I could talk about him more easily. I, I'll, I'm afraid with him in the room I may weep. Uh, but these things, uh, I would say, are the things that um, that I've watched take place in a disciple, and then discipleship took discipleship took place through a man that was following after Christ. Right. And so um, I think Ron's experienced that. I know Chuck has. Um, and um, and then I think when you know that you've been discipled, when discipleship really took place is when you go to disciple. Right. If it ends at just I was discipled by somebody, but nothing ever takes place, you haven't become a disciple. Right. And I think Christ commanded us to become disciples. You know, to to do the things and teach the things that I taught you. That was what was said. And Phil did a class, and he's probably spoke about this before, called Timothy. And that's why he ran me to Timothy 2-2 tonight, uh, because that was where we started our our, uh, radio show tonight. But I think that um, he did a class called Timothy, and everyone... I don't know if Ron, did you go to Timothy? Yeah, you went to Timothy. I, I graduated from Timothy after three years of... Uh, pain and suffering with Phil, and uh, and, and the pain and suffering was on his part for having to put up with me, I think. But um, it, all these things is what we saw in a man, but it's how he 
utilized the teachings that someone had taught him. Mm-hmm. And it's just this snowball effect, you know. And so uh, years later, um, it's a, I look back and think, man, it's amazing. There's people on our staff here at Valley now that I discipled when they were young men. They were at my house. I discipled them through their dating of Christian young ladies and how to do that. You know, just a lot of discipling. And um, it's amazing. But I don't think those abilities within me, which is the Holy Spirit working through you, of course, but never would have happened if it hadn't been for a fill. So there's a mentoring. I think that mentoring is a is the new term for disciple. Right. In reality, it, it it's that. And, uh, you know, I just graduated from DTS two or three years ago and master's degree, and they make you go through a mentoring program. You have to go through a mentoring program. And um, I, I, as I went through that program with them, I thought, well, man, I've already been through this before. You know, I've been, I've been doing a lifetime of this yeah, yeah. with Phil. And, um, you know, there's that. It's very funny that you mentioned the, uh, you know, the nepotism conversation there. Because <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, you have to follow him to some of our family dinners. There's, he's Pastor Phil at dinner with family. And he's Pastor Phil here at the church. And he's just, he's a disciple yeah. of Christ. Yeah. And so um, I think that if I died and you could put on my tombstone that I was a disciple, That'd be pretty good. Yeah. That'd be pretty disciple good. Disciple of Jesus. Yeah, right? disciple yeah. of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with Phil. I, I've said it many times, and so he's probably heard it to ad nauseum for him. But I don't think he's ever taught me to follow him. Right. Yeah. He's right. always taught us to follow the one he's following, which is Christ. And so in that is richness. Yes. In that is wonderful things. And so that definition to me is the most accurate that I could come up with. And, and I didn't come up with it. It was Easton that came up with that one. Yeah. But I've watched that take place. And it's interesting because um, we'll talk too much about the man, but that's what happened. But to watch the spirit be drunk in, as it were. Right. You know, to watch somebody who's being led by that spirit and then to say, I want what they got. Right. You know. I can... Uh... I can remember when I, I was born with two left feet. So any 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 sports activity, you know, my mom and dad had to put me in lessons first, so as so I could, you know, overcome the the, the clumsiness because it was, you know, I had clumsiness in spades. It was just horrible. It still is. Nothing's changed. But I can remember strapping on a pair of snow skis once in in a, a stupid idiot foolish moment, only to realize that I wasn't clumsy with this. Mm. Well, this is intriguing. And so I, I thought, I, I can ski. This is something I don't have to take lessons for. But what I, the, the first thing I did the very next day, I found a guy that I knew in town where I lived who was on the ski patrol up at uh, Mount Ashland, as a matter of fact. And I asked him, I said, mind if I tag along with you? I, I'm just learning. That. He says, oh, uh, you can go, but I'm not going to stop. Mm. You fall down. That I'm I'm gonna keep going. You'll have to catch right, up. Right. Yeah. And that was some of the best training for me. Within a year and a half, I'm, I'm I'm on a ski team, and I'm I'm just bombing down these mountains. Same with with a horse. You know, I'm, I'm anything I do, I have always purposed to find somebody who is way far ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. And grab a hold of their coattails. Right. I'm right. still looking for those people in my life on a regular basis, and I think Larry hit it right. It's not about 
a man, that's for sure. But God does use men, yes, God and, and women in our lives to, absolutely. Uh, to be an example. A couple of passages that came to my mind I just wanted to share with you really quick was one's from 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I remember hearing this as a teenager where the Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so yep. I can remember yep. at that time I was in, I'm just going to be really honest, I was in a messed up youth ministry that – ran through one youth pastor after another, uh, the three and the four years that I was there, God saved me in spite of a lot of that. <laughs> and I can remember hearing that verse when I was in that youth ministry. And the truth was there wasn't a whole lot of people for me to look to, to imitate at the time, but God did bring those people into my life. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, some of them, of course, especially in Pastor Phil sitting here in the room right now, Pastor Rich Rollins, Pastor Ted Montoya back in the day. And then Philippians 3.17, I thought of this one too, <laughs> uh, where it says, brothers, join in imitating me. And listen to what Paul says. He says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. It's something that we've been called to do as believers. We understand that mm -hmm. we're not ultimately looking to any man, any woman, any pastor, um, but God does call us to look to those uh, shepherds and disciplers in our lives that he's called that are faithful men and women to learn from them. And we understand who the chief shepherd is, and it's important to keep that distinction. But he intends for us to learn from, from others, and so uh, I value that. All right. We've got to take another time out. Time flies when you're having fun, or the frog said time's fun when you're having flies. Um, <laughs> when we come back... Um, I want to direct your uh, your thoughts and your attention to the whole notion of what it looks like from the outside looking in on discipleship. We'll take a quick time out. 888-FOR-KFAX-888-367-5329 if you'd like to join the conversation. In the meantime, we're going to pay some bills, keep the lights on, and check your traffic. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center for a look at your commute. We are back. It is Lifeline, your truth for today edition of Lifeline, 888-FOR-KFAX, 888-367-5329, if you'd like to join the conversation. We're talking a bit about discipleship tonight, what it looks like, how it is affected, what its end result is, and what its end goal is. And uh, Larry, as we started the program tonight, you kind of uh, delineated the fact that, you know, there's four of you here that have spent a protracted amount of time underneath Pastor Phil. Uh, by by all accounts, I am indeed a latecomer, if I am one at all, <laughs> uh, one, you know, born in due time. Um, and even then, limited to just producing the radio program. I, I you know, sure. I've got the unique vantage point that I can sit and watch Pastor Phil's uh, preaching, his pulpit ministry. I can take a year, and it's condensed into about four months. Right. So I, I get this unique panoramic perspective that few usually get. So I, I, I do have an influence there. But if I'm to take that outsider looking in for a moment right, um, to expose what discipleship should look like on the back end, it would not take much to lay it all out to see the churches that have been planted on the backside of it, right. to see the volume of men who have gone out of this church. Right. If there is real discipleship going on, you're going to see some effects that are quite profound. Correct. 
And if there is no discipleship going on, you're going to see the converse. Nothing. Right. Um, and, and, and so if, if you want, would, take a moment and just kind of work through the, the idea that, at least from Valley Bible's perspective, I mean, goodness sakes, look at the history. If you were just to, and, and you could do it better than anybody, just review a quick history of the men and women who have left this church, the churches that have been planted, the men who have gone on to start other churches, and then the grandfathering that continues on. They've been affected by their discipleship and they carry it with them. And now it's happening second and third generation. Right. That's right. pretty profound, isn't it? It, it really is. And it, I, I, here's the deal. There's an authenticity that takes place. Um, Anyone can run a race for a very short period of time and even be successful. Splinters are a dime a dozen. Right. But to stay in it long term and to watch God um, minister in people's lives. um, I I was just rehearsing this with my wife. We were just talking about this. And I said, what I saw 48 years, because I was in church since I was four, five years old. I arrived here at Valley when I was 14. We were meeting at a little dance hall down in Holy Ghost Hall down in Pinole. Um, and and actually, Phil was, me and Phil and, and my wife were just rehearsing that uh, a couple days ago. And we were laughing about it because um, it was an amazing sight to see. Um, you were, uh, if it was hot outside, you have all the windows open in that building. You hear the trains go by. There was a ballpark right across the street. You'd hear the ball being hit. You'd hear people yelling and screaming. But yet you were hearing the word of God being produced from this 28-year-old young man at that time. That's how old Phil was whenever I first came to Valley. And I was there within about five months of it starting. But we watched, and I told my wife, I said, there were people in that church that I just never saw in churches before. Like you would never expect to see them in church. People with, this was, you know, this back in 71, 72. So long hair and short dresses on, on the women and the men, no, just the women at that time. (laughs) And uh, just kind of a crazy cultural thing that was going on. But God kept meeting us and we watched, um, not a man or a disciple, telling us what to do. We watched a disciple showing us who to follow. And then people started to follow. And as they started to follow, we got to see these wonderful transformations. Romans 12, 1 and 2 just became reality. They started to give their bodies to him. They started transforming themselves through the renewing of their minds. And so, and a huge scripture in my own life. Romans 12, one and two. Yeah. You know, you watch people, they change. By what? By somebody being obedient to the call of Christ. Right. To a Ron Johnson who says, I got a lot of life in front of me, but God got a hold of my life one night. And I'll never be complete except in doing what he's calling me to. And that's to be a disciple. That's to be a pastor, a teacher, whatever God's calling you to. But in this, we watched God change lives. We watched probably, man, Steve Fernandez is not with us anymore, so I'll talk about him. Um, We watched probably the unlikeliest of men, of all the men that came to Valley. 
He might have been the most unlikely guy, if you looked at him, that was ever going to lead a church. But God used him. He was also the most likely in his tenaciousness. Yes. But his as follows the as far as the uh, the total package, you would look at him. He needed polishing. He needed a lot of <laughs> those things. But God used him. Yes, he and, did. And um, he used the life of a disciple to affect that man's life. And then where does that go? I can tell you probably of eight different churches, probably more than that, but eight churches where men that were unlikely that are now pastoring, and no telling the effect those men have had discipling other men. So when you look at a Phil or even a Ron who's uh, working with adult people, you don't have any idea the overall effect your life will have. But um, one thing that I love that Paul said as he was parting was, I have no blood on my hands. I've done all that I've been asked to do. Yeah. And all that's left for me is to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's a disciple. That's a true disciple that could say that. So, all right, somebody is sitting there in the middle of Emeryville on the 80 going sure. two miles an hour listening to us thinking, <laughs> man, I've never had that experience in my church life. Right. Um, right. How do I... How do I how do I get that experience? And that leads me to a, a, a parallel question of sorts: Is there discipleship in discipling? So, in other words, somebody's listening, going, "Man, I've never really had this, but I love Jesus. I wish I had it." What kind of discipleship takes place when you start discipling others? Yeah, I would say, Ron, you can fill in on this too. I'm sure is that um, I don't think I fully understood that I was being discipled until I was required to disciple. And then, and required was not, it was required of me because the Lord just wouldn't let me not do it, right? And and nor would Phil not, he would not let me not do it either. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, going to dinner at Phil and Carolyn's house as their nephew, um, even as a young boy, they held me to a standard that some would say, oh, that's not fair. That's, you're the nephew, you shouldn't have to, you know, preacher's kids get the word. Oh, no, no, no. You're loved. It's just, it's all the better for you when it's that way. And so, you know, I would have made probably a lot more mistakes without a good disciple. Yeah. You know, and then when you have to then become the disciple, the realities of how you've been discipled are so evident. You know, you're like, wait a minute. This feels like what was being done to me, and I didn't even know it. You know, but now you're like, oh, I know what to do here, because somebody's walked me through it. But I'll tell you, you, there's no learning like doing. Yeah. There's no learning like doing. When you start to do it, that was a requirement of the Timothy class that we all took. The requirement was you don't just take this in and get fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Or fat, smart, and unhappy. Right. You get lean and mean and get ready to pass this out. And I think every man that went through Timothy, um, that graduated that, that was a true follower of Christ, uh, you, you come out with, um, you cannot be satisfied not to do. Right. And that was bled out by a Phil Howard. Yeah. That, I hope that that's been bled out by me, by a Ron. 
by Chuck that's in, by you. Yes. Yeah. You know, so if you're in the car right now and you go, man, I wish I had that experience. Well, first of all, I'd ask you to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Ask God to give you that experience. And then I'd say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you doing anything to pass what you do know along to somebody else? Because there's where, to me, that's the richness of yes. it. If I just sit under someone's teaching year after year after year and I never do anything, I've wasted their time and mine. Phil wants to say something. He does, but I'm going to make him wait. <laughs> I could do that. You're just an emeritus now. <laughs> We do we do have to take a quick time out, pay some bills so they'll keep the lights on at least for another hour. When we do come back, Pastor Phil is chomping at the bit. Yeah. And then, Ron, I want to touch base with you a bit and get your thoughts on qualifications for being a discipler. Okay. All right? So let's do all of that on the other side of this break. Let's uh, quickly take a time out. By the way, if you do want to join the conversation, we are at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, 888-367-5329. You can at least call and say you've gotten past Emeryville and you're headed north, all right? Um, In the meantime, we're off to the KFAX Traffic Center with another look at your commute. And we are back. It is uh, what a delightful evening. I always enjoy these times when we can get together and just talk about Jesus, spend some time talking about his word, the lives that we have in Christ. And tonight is um, is all about discipleship for the most part. And uh, we, we, we took a break just as Pastor Phil was grabbing the microphone. Uh, you know pastors, man. They, they can only sit still and sit quiet for so long, so... <laughs> what was on your heart, brother? Well, when we talk about discipleship, um, you, you start looking for all kinds of mentors and this and that. I sort of think of um, uh, in Proverbs, when I when you look at that, I used to, every time I read the characteristic of a friend, I would say, I don't hardly have any friends like that, or where are they? And one day God says, start asking that of yourself. Mm. Does it describe you? Mm-hmm. And then I quit reading Proverbs. Don't mess with me, Lord, who, you know. And, and I think of uh, uh, mentoring. You know, the mentors in my life saved at 14 I backslid a little bit over rock and roll, and I didn't know you ought to just confess sin. I didn't know how to get back. And my brother Paul uh, was used of God to get me in a prayer meeting one night. And I, I was reluctant. I said, I'm, you know, I'm a backslider. I shouldn't be there. But I knelt, and I did confess. I didn't know what I was doing biblically. But I think my older brother Paul, uh, 10 years older than me, my sister and my dad were the greatest disciples, not my profs. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I, I never, when I, I wanted to learn the Bible, I had to pay tuition because I, I did not sit under educated preachers. Right. They were saved, good men, but they were not trained. They were yeah. untrained men. But I was thinking, my sister taught me music, holiness, taught me how to pray. I just kneel by her. 
And uh, ask yourself this, who is teaching you how to pray? But ah, watch Proverbs. Who are you teaching to pray? Yes. Right. Eugene Peterson said the goal of his pastoral ministry was to teach people pray. And he said, I'll never have over 300 people at one time in the church. And that's what he did. And he studied Hebrew and wrote books on the other days. But I'm going to teach you to pray. But I think of my father. And and then here Larry talks about, well, his uncle and his aunt. Hey, uh, I heard Rich Rollins once say, there is no youth leader in our church any more powerful than the parents who are raising the child. Exactly. And you talk about discipleship. What about a mom, dad, <laughs> you? Right. Uh, what impact? You don't fly in somebody from a seminary. Yeah. No, it's somebody living it out. My father, I never got in a 56 Ford pickup with him, but what he didn't start singing or praising God. It wasn't a routine Never used a navigator machine. Just said, I can't be quiet about who I know. Mm. And I think if we got some Christianity that was not nauseatingly lukewarm and throw up material, if it doesn't burn in your heart, I remember Deuteronomy 6, it first has to be in the heart before it could ever change the home. We need a revival and discipleship in our homes and don't be looking to the church for the discipler. What's wrong with you, Dad? What about you? Turn off the football. It doesn't matter who wins anyway. Okay, Larry, we we have to stop your uncle right now because (laughs) I I, I can see Carolyn is at home pacing right now. He's talking. talking. I think his his throat's going to start bleeding or something here, you know? Yeah, and right now I'm in trouble with Carolyn. She's... She's home going, you're making him talk. Shut him up. Shut well, he's, he's, I think, she's I driving think, down here. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, she is. Yeah, I think, on her way down right I now. think what happens is he's tired of listening to me, so he just jumped in there. Let's get some substance in this thing, you know. Um, no, what he said there was incredible. I, I think that it's so true. I, I remember my grandpa, the same thing. I One of my best memories of my grandfather, talk about a disciple. Uh, when I would stay all night with my grandparents, my grandfather, I would I would go in and go to bed, and he'd be reading the Bible when I got into that bedroom to go yeah. to sleep. And I would go to sleep every time, every time. Uh, he had one eye because he'd lost an eye in an accident. So he had a magnifying glass with this huge Bible. And I'd go in to crawl into bed, and he would be there reading from, from dinner time on. He'd be there reading that Bible. And um, I'd go to sleep with him reading that Bible. I don't know when he would leave the room or anything. He'd be gone in the morning to work, and I'd be with my grandmother. So that was very true. I've had many disciples in my life. And so, um, man, what a great statement that is, Phil, the way you just said there. Ron, why don't you share something? Let me quit sure. talking. Gee, what just, were we talking about? Oh, yeah, qualifications for a discipler. You're going to ask me I was going to ask you about that. Uh, would it be okay, and, and I do like they do in the presidential elections, I just ignore your question altogether and say what I want to say, right? It, sure. Andy, um, Ron Johnson the, running for president. Yeah. Here we go. Let me hit the mute button. Andy, you and I go back at least two hours. I can do this, right? So I, I got to at least jump in on what Pastor Phil was saying, because honestly, I wasn't going to leave tonight without saying, as we talk about discipleship, uh, man, there are uh, some moms and dads out there hearing this right now that I just want to encourage you with all my heart not to 
neglect and miss out on the privilege and opportunity God has given you to disciple oh, amen. the children yeah. that he has entrusted to you. Yes. Uh, there, I, I, I don't know if I could find anything that makes me more excited than uh, the time that I get to spend with my kids and, and helping shape and shepherd uh, their little hearts uh, as it relates to their relationships with God. Um, think of just, uh, no joke, yesterday morning, my 10-year-old little girl, Madeline, um, the kids will write a Bible verse in the morning, and, and they have a little notebook they turn through of a lot of great verses, and they, they had made it through the little notebook we had put together, and so she just picked some random verse, and I see at the top it says Psalm 51, 52, the way she wrote it, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, I, yeah, there's not that many verses in Psalm 51, but she was in there somewhere, and so I said, Madeline, do you know what was happening in Psalm 51, and we just got to stop, and a young lady who knows about David being king, know that knows that he, he, he cast a, a stone to drop a giant, right? Didn't know that uh, this man was a man after God's own heart, but he had made some really serious mistakes in his life. And we had an opportunity to talk through mm-hmm. what those things were and say, Madeline, in Psalm 51, this verse you wrote down may not have made a whole lot of sense to you, but we've got the the, the heart cry of a truly repentant man who's realized what he's done that he sinned against God. And you yeah. know what? We were, we were By the time we were done, we were singing, right? Because the song's written right out of there, create in me a, a clean, clean heart, heart, oh God. Yeah. Renew a right spirit in me. And, and all that from her writing down a little bit of verse. And I thought, man, that was the best 20 minutes of my day right there. Uh, Amen. Um, it, Amen. It, it, yeah. Well, you know, uh, just to tag on to that before we go to our next break, um, because we're due for another one, uh, as a youth pastor myself years ago, uh, there were three of us for junior high and high, and it was with purpose and intent we would meet with the parents twice a week and the kids once a week because we wanted to work ourselves out of a job. And we knew that we were just a stopgap, if anything. If true ministry is to take place, if true discipleship is to take place with your children, it's going to come from you, not a youth pastor, not somebody on campus that they'll see once, maybe twice a week if they're lucky. But somebody they're going to see every morning at the breakfast table and every evening at the dinner table and every night before bed, they're going to see you. You, parent, you, mom, you, dad, you have that authority given by God to be the discipler of your children. Are you discipling them? Amen. And it does not end when your children have children. And turn 18, exactly. It continues on. uh, Because Pastor Phil just told me recently that he's doing a little discipleship with his grandkids right now. Bingo. So, you know, an an actual class of discipleship. What is truth? That type of thing. My granddaughter is 10 years old, and I enjoy talking to her about the Lord. So, amen. It never ends. It doesn't. It never ends. God has entrusted them to us, and we're to be good stewards of that. It's a privilege and our responsibility amen none of us are going to get to the end of life and think i wish i would have worked more right there are there are four people who think i wish i would have been more involved in a child's life there are there there are four things that are sure in this life death taxes your role as a disciple for your children and commercial breaks (laughs) and so let's do one let's head off to the kfax traffic center another check on your commute paying some bills it's the kfax traffic center